0: And welcome to Church Planning Conversations, a podcast presented by the Asbury Church Planning Initiative. excited to have with us today Wesley Bolden, who is a project manager with um, Stadia Church Planning Organization, and they are planting churches like crazy, coming in alongside church planners, helping them uh, plant healthy, sustainable, life-giving churches. Uh, Wesley, it's great to have you with us today. How are you doing?
1: Good, Winfield. Thanks for having me. It's good to be involved in this conversation.
0: Wesley, what I really appreciate about you is um, you're not just, you know, some church planning official. You you've actually um, planted a church. You've been a part of it. Um, you are a church planner, and uh, I love that. I love hearing stories of kind of wh- how people get into church planning, how they answer their calling, and uh, so today I think uh, one of the themes we kind of want to explore is around the issue of calling. And uh, I'd love for you to just kind of open up and share a little about your own personal story. Uh, You might share a little bit about um, what you do at Stadia first, and then talk about your own experience with church planning a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a project manager with Stadia, which some people might go, like, what does that mean? Like, what what does it mean to be a project manager? (laughs) Uh, The analogy I use, and I think it helps it connect with people, is that we're kind of like the general contractor of church planning. So we we partner with church planners that have this vision. They they can see what they want, uh, but they they don't always know how to get there. Um, so we kind of come alongside church planners and walk with them. And as you think about a general contractor um, hmm. building a house, right? You you'll yeah. want to put up put a roof on the house before you put up the walls, the drywall, or before you paint, or you'll want to put in plumbing before you um, before you put up walls. Uh, I'm not a general contractor, so I may even have the wrong order there. But when it comes to church planning, I can help planners think through the process of planning a church. Good. And so, uh, so what we do as project managers with Stadia is we come alongside planners and we help them, we help them think through the process. They bring the vision. Uh, they they bring, bring the dream. And we help them walk through through process. Um, when we plan it, when I planted a church, we partnered with Stadia. We had a project manager. And you know, as, as church planners, and you're, you're a church planner yourself, Winfield. Uh, you know that, um, you know, as, as a church planner, like we sometimes we can see we can see the dream, right? We can see the Sunday morning. We can see the gathering. We can see uh, people in discipleship groups. Uh, like we can see that that in end game. like uh, maybe end game is the wrong word, but we, we can see what we've dreamed of coming into being. And we know what parts of church planning give us life. Uh, and, and we immediately gravitate towards those things. And so what we see with church planners all the time is like they want to do the life giving things, which usually aren't developing systems or working through the legal process of starting a church or even for some is not even doing the deep contextual study. Uh, That's not what gives them life. Being with people is what gives them life. Seeing people uh, take steps closer to Jesus gives them life. And and what the project manager does is say, hey, but we need some (laughs) we need some legal steps first. Yep. Uh, we need to learn the context first. We need to develop some systems before we get there. And so, um, so that's what we do as, as project managers.
0: So it's, it's kind of like coaching. You're coming alongside and coaching and mentoring them. In essence, I like that idea of kind of a, a, a general contractor. It's like you take the, the vision that, say, a family or, or someone has for their home and yep. you kind of guide the process and you implement it to help them kind of ha- see that dream come to fulfillment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I always say you're in control of the process. But but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you if I see some things that are happening, like if you're <laughs> if, if you don't have insurance and yep. you're starting public events like I'm I'm going to let you know you're in control of the process. But I'm going to let you know you need insurance. Uh, you know, the, and so those steps that you need to take. Like we're going to, we're going to bring those up. And so we're doing a little bit of coaching, a little bit of consulting, a little bit of admin mm-hmm. um, because we do legal, legal paperwork yep. uh, for planners. And so we're just kind of, we do all of that. We're very generalists. Um, and it's just, you know, the thing I love about it is seeing this vision. So usually when I connect with a church planner, it is usually just this planner that's just moved somewhere new often uh, to plan a church. And they just had this idea. They just had this dream. And it's just it's the neatest thing to be able to walk with them, to see them build a team and gather people around them, Uh, you know, even even to the point of finding a facility and having a launch Sunday. So to walk with them through that process, it's just the neatest thing to see uh, all the different pieces come together to start a new church, um, just giving life to communities and and they're seeing new people follow Jesus.
0: Amen. I mean, yeah, that's it is life giving to just kind of see that come to pass. You know, you walk with someone. And it's I'm sure it's similar. You know, it uh, you know to like you know raising a child and like then you hand them off and you see them kind of go on and kind of live their dream beyond you, but you've helped them kind of get to that point. So it's very rewarding, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a it's, it's that proud moment that a parent has, right? <laughs> that yeah. You see that child step out. Yeah. So it's, it is, it is to some degree like that. And especially in like, you know, there's certain seasons where a lot of churches launch. So in the fall, September, October, uh, January, February, those tend to be really exciting times. And it yeah. feels like every Sunday, I'm on Facebook and I'm watching some new Sunday, uh, new church launch mm-hmm. on Sunday, as, as live as I'm able to be, um, you know, watching it from a distance. And it's just, a, it's a cool experience.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your own kind of calling into church planning. I think that's kind of fun um, when, when, you know, church planning's is really about stories. It's about people's lives and it's always unique. Everyone's calling is kind of unique and everyone's got a unique story. And so tell us a little bit about your calling to church planting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to say that I stumbled into church planning, <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's, so I say that to say, I wasn't planning on being a church planner. So when I, when I graduated from seminary um, planning a church was the furthest thing in my mind, you know, from possibility, like there was just no chance that I was going to plan a church Uh, for me. I graduated from seminary. I knew that I was going to be a pastor. And um, you know, of course I put out resumes. I looked for opportunities to Mm -hmm. to pastor and established congregation uh, and a lot of that had to do with, and this is in retrospect, right? I'm I'm kind of thinking back on my own life and my own wiring and the way I was raised. In retrospect, I think a lot of that was just nature, right? So I'm not, you know, and this may sound funny to you, you're a church planner, you may be extremely entrepreneurial, but I'm I just, wasn't like this entrepreneur. Like I didn't need to start something new. Mm-hmm. Like if someone else started, it, you know, in my head, I had a very, um, kind of traditional view of pastoring. I was just going to go into an established church and uh, love people there and lead people there and, and just be a healthy community church. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really have a good vision for starting new churches or why one would want to start a new church. It mm-hmm. felt like, you know, I was in the South. It felt like there were a lot of churches already. Um, so I just didn't have a good strong vision for starting a church and I didn't consider myself to be the kind of person that would start a church. Um, it seemed risky to me and just the way I was raised, my, my parents and family, we just could we're kind of risk adverse. So mm-hmm. starting something yeah. from another, I have a hard time seeing the end. And, um, so yeah, so it was just not something I would do. And, and one day, um, God called me to plant a church. Um, I was actually finishing up a second seminary degree and, um, I get an email out the blue from a guy uh, that I didn't know, absolute stranger. He had gotten my name from somebody and uh, I wasn't living in Atlanta at the time. And he sent a random email. that just said, Hey, like we have this vision for a new church on the South side of Atlanta. And I want to know if you'll come back and be a part of it and and be the lead planter for this new church. Mm. Um, If I I tell you, I had never thought of like being a church planter. When I get that email and um, in that moment, it just felt like God did something to confirm a call that I didn't see coming in my heart. Um, and so, yeah, so I was I was actually planning on um, being more of an academic. I wanted to be, be a professor like you. Mm. Uh, mm. I, that was the dream that I had for my own life and not uh, to be a, a pastor or planter. And so it just totally reoriented, reoriented the direction of my life. Now, um, it's a really long and complicated story. So I'm trying to think of how to, how to shorten it. Uh, so, so my wife and I went to assessment and when we went to assessment, um, uh, which was church planner assessment. We, we kind of went in hoping that assessment wouldn't give us the green light to plant a church because neither one of us were really fully on board. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with my wife. I said, You know, I want us both to be in. Like, I want God to call both of us. I want it to be confirmed and, you know, both of our hearts, both of us to know that this is what God wants us to do. And so when we, when we went to assessment, we, we ended up going to assessment. We spent a week being assessed. We got the green light to plant. I told my wife the whole time as we're thinking about this and as God is like doing something in our heart, I said, we we both got to be on board, like on the same page. I said, until the car is packed and we're driving back to Atlanta, you have the option to to say no, Um, like just veto this decision and say like, I don't think this is what God is calling us to. And so we we step out of assessment, we get the green light and my wife says to me, you know, I can't do it. and, and we made a decision to stay put and not to plant that church at that point. And I think that's such an important uh, piece to the calling is that when God calls someone, he calls families. Uh, he doesn't mm-hmm. call, um, you know, the, the lead pastor to plant a church, yeah. um, but he's calling a family. And I just think of how devastating it would have been if I would have looked at my wife and said, no, but God has called us to do this and we have to go uh, when she wasn't on board with moving to plant a church. Um, and God just did some work in us over the course of several months. Um, so this was in May that we went to assessment in September. Uh, later that year, my wife came back to me and she said, you know, that guy that reached out to you, with that idea of planting a church, I wonder if he's still looking for someone. And, uh, I called him back up again. He was an absolute stranger. So we didn't, we weren't friends. So we weren't talking in the in-between. Um, so I looked them back up and reached out to him and, uh, I said, are you still looking for somebody to plant that church that you called me about? And, uh, and it turns out he was, and, uh, you know, in that moment, I think God, God brought us both on board and and we were both on board with the idea of making a move back to Atlanta to plant a church. I just think that was, that was such a crucial part, uh, in our calling story.
0: Wow. I I love your story because I resonate with it. I mean, it's in some ways, it's my story, you know, in um, the introduction of my, uh, you know, my church planning book, I use the term accidental church planter, you know, that was totally not, you know, I was planning on being an academic and got a call from a friend about planting a church. And I call it the Macedonian phone call, <laughs> you know, like, God, God often has a way of interrupting our plans, you know, uh, with his plans. And, uh, what I also love about your story is, um, while we do assessment, which is very helpful to come alongside and help people discern, and you could tell us a little bit more about kind of assessment, maybe here in a minute, um, ultimately I think helping people answer that sense of clarity around calling is God calling. I might not be the stereotypical planter necessarily. um, But having that clear sense that God is calling you to this work uh, in my, in my opinion, and you tell me what you think, but I think is probably one of the most important factors. Um, And I love that you mentioned family Um, But what's your thoughts around that? Like just having that clarion sense of calling is above, you know, maybe some of the other marks that people look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I like to think of like, there's all different, there's many different models of planting a new church. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it takes a particular kind of planner um, personality, wiring, gifting, Plan a church just this launch large church so you can look at like if you look at this you know i like to call it a traditional prevailing model of church planning yeah this planner that moves to a city you know he gathers a team of 75 or so people yep yeah. uh, has this big vision is able to, to bring people around him and cast vision for this this new church plant uh to get people excited you know launch sunday there's more than 200 people in the room like I like think there's a certain kind of wiring and gifting that allows someone to be able to um, bring that kind of energy and vision towards church planning. And oftentimes in the assessment process, that's that's kind of what we're looking for, right? That's what you're what you're assessing yep. for in many ways, is, is that that gifting that exists um, really to create uh, kind of a movement, if you will. And um, but there's, there's other models of planning a church um, that are sometimes more relational or even micro churches or home house churches um, mm-hmm. or hybrid models or, you know, tradition, the traditional model of church planning where a planter is just gathering a small group of people in their living room um, that's gathering there for, as they grow and they maybe have a slower growth and they're bivocational uh, as a planter. And so like when God calls us, I don't know that God is, well, I do know that God's not calling every church planter to be the launch large planter. And so the big thing for me was uh, when God called me was not to look around and see um, and to compare myself to other planters. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it wasn't for me to look and see what the church that, you know, whoever Joe, Joe up the street planted and and how he, and try to do it like he did it and try to be like him as a church planner. Um, but there was a unique vision that God had called and equipped me for, uh, and, and a huge part of that was just being myself, uh, just learning to be the person that God created me to be. And only as I did that, was I able to plant the church that he was calling me to plant. Um, which, you know, we, you know, I would say we were kind of loosely a launch large model, but I also moved back home where I had family and friends yeah. and the relationships in the neighborhood. So like, could I see myself and I I never say never, so I'm not going to say never on this (laughs) and feel, but could I see myself moving to a city that I have no relationship in and gathering the team, you know, in nine months to a year and launching a church? Like, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe God will call me to do that one day and give me some supernatural gifting to do that. But I know that God called me to a community that I grew up in where i had yeah. deep relationships where i went to school and a lot of the people that ended up coming to our church our old high school friends um uh, mm-hmm. from growing up that weren't part of a church and were far from the lord um there are people that i met in college um that, that came and were a part of our church so i, I went back to a place that i knew and so uh, when god said go a church go go plant a church he wasn't calling me to plant a church like someone else he was he had already kind of paved the way and i I think that there's that trust element that um you know i i guess i have this fear that there's some people out there that god is calling to plant a church and they're saying um they're not answering the call they're saying no to god because Mm -hmm. they're looking at what someone else has done and they feel inadequate for the task. And I know that's where I would have been or where I was. And um, it just took some time for us to get out of that and say yes to God and allow him to plant the church that he wanted to plant through us. Amen.
0: Yeah. I, I think that when it comes to church planning, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Um, And, and really we need all types of churches to reach all types of people. And there are different types of church planters is kind of what you were, I think alluding to that, you know, there's, there's maybe different skill sets that match, you know, um, and I I personally identify with that. I've never been a part of, I've never led a large, you know, launched large kind of model. And, you know, I have many friends, you know, we both know many people that have done that have been very successful at that. Um, and I think kind of finding out who you are, um, your identity in Christ, your gifts and leading out of that rather than trying to be somebody else is kind of one of the things that I'm hearing from you and your story is, is, is lead out of who God has created you to be rather than trying to be, um, somebody
1: else. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, I, um, this is a kind of a random side story. Um, but I, I met a guy years ago. It was when God first called me to ministry and I was preparing to preach my first sermon. And I went to this restaurant it was, it was a Longhorn actually. And it was crowded. And uh, the waitress was walking us to our table. Mm-hmm. And um, as we're going to the table, I accidentally bumped into a guy at another table and You know, I can't even recall how everything played out, but he turned around and I I said, I'm sorry. And, you know, it was a crowded restaurant and he said, no problem. And somehow we struck up a conversation uh, and he was a he was a pastor and uh, he took an opportunity to mentor me as a young minister. And right there in the middle of the restaurant, he kind of stands up and we just kind of start talking. And I told him I was getting ready to preach my first sermon. And I don't know whether he could see the terrified look on my face or what it was, but he, he took that as a moment to just be present with me. And, um, and he said, if I can give you one piece of advice, is this, just be yourself. Um, and that has stuck with me throughout my entire ministry. Uh, he, he talked more about how, you know, in his ministry, how he was just burning out and becoming exhausted because he was mm-hmm. trying to be like other people that he saw around him and not being the person that God created him to be and like leading out of that. Uh, and so for me, like it's just taken me a while. Um, and, and his, that, that encounter with the, the guy in Longhorn, we'll just call him the Longhorn guy cause I can't believe
0: it. <laughs> the <laughs> Longhorn guy.
1: I wish I was, I wish we would have kept contact. <laughs> I love it. Like nobody was like, yeah cell phone numbers and texting at that time yeah yeah um but but the longhorn guy like that like he has he transformed um the way i approach ministry uh, because it was yeah i mean i'm approaching it from a place of like who has god wired me to be yeah and, and you know and that plays out in every area of of ministry right where i'm not just trying to mimic and model what I've seen other people do, now I think there's things you can learn from other people, and of course, I have learned from numerous other ministers and pastors and church planners, but at the same time, I'm always asking that question like how can I be authentic and true to myself hmm. uh, in my calling and not be whoever because i think I think that's more powerful, and i think it I think it tells a story for our churches even um, you know that that God uses average and everyday people. And I I think that's that's, that's important.
0: You know, as as you're talking, the other thing um, that kind of is kind of coming to my mind is there is something in church planting that is a, it's kind of a crucible of the soul in which I really found my identity. I found all the stuff. I I didn't honestly go into it that self-aware. And God used it, um, the process for me to really discover who I am in Christ. Whereas when I had served on staff at, um, churches previous to, you know, being in church planting, I, I had felt kind of pressure to kind of fit a certain mold, you know, and, um, for me, the blessing of church planting was kind of in some ways finding my voice and, um, kind of being, you know, really discovering who I am in Christ and learning to lead out of that and how much, you know, yeah, the first couple of years were a struggle trying to figure those things out. And I, I think that's absolutely essential, you know, telling planters early on that, Hey, listen, your greatest success is going to come out of um, being who God has co- created you to be, not trying to be somebody else. Um, and then w- would you, would you, I mean, again, was your experience, I think that's the other thing, because church planning is tough. <laughs> you know, it's, that's why we need project managers. <laughs> you know, we need coaches and mentors because it's, it's hard work um, and it's soul work. I think that's the other piece that's often not talked about, Wesley, is um, soul care for planters, self-care, family. You mentioned family earlier about how important that is and the discernment, but also in after you launch taking care of your family because that's where spiritual warfare is going to come in um maybe talk a little bit about um after you launch like once you're in it what are what are some maybe some lessons that emerge for you of self-discovery and so maybe some lessons like for someone out here who's maybe listening they're like you know we just planted um, I hear what you're saying, but I'm kind of, I'm, It's all kind of shaping around me. What, what's some wisdom you would have around that?
1: Yeah, so, so for me, one of the early things um, was, you know, the the church and ministry in general has a tendency to be kind of consuming, where it becomes what you think about, and particularly when you plant a new church. Again, it's kind of like having a baby, where You know, when when couples often have babies, you know, date nights go out the window and uh, they're not thinking about that much anymore. And sometimes they're not making time for each other. They're so consumed with this baby. Um, And the health of a marriage and family is so crucial. So like for us, I just remember there was one one evening and this was kind of this early moment in the life of our church. One evening, I came home and I don't know what I was talking about, but it was church stuff. I was just going on and on and on and on. And my wife, probably obsessive, and my my wife looks at me and says, can we talk about something other than the church? (laughs) Hmm. And uh, that was one of those moments for me that I learned um, I I needed to have this healthy balance where, yes, I could give myself to the church, but I could give myself to my family as well. Yeah. An important moment to say like we need to have a life beyond you know the church work um another uh i think what helped me to stay healthy along the way i'd never been obsessive or really protective of a sabbath uh mm-hmm. practicing Yep. prior to planning a church um but when we when we plan it, I became kind of obsessive about protecting my Sabbath day. So I took a Friday. It's just a day away from church work. And I had to find a, a rhythm for that day. Uh, so for me, what that meant was usually going out somewhere in nature and um, and usually not 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 sitting still in nature, usually walking. Because I, what I discovered was that I, and this is this is going to make me sound. Not very, very, not very smart, um, but I I can't walk and think at the same time very well. I know a lot of people do that, and they go <laughs> <laughs> for these long walks where they process things. Yeah. Learn this about myself is that I can't walk and think at the same time very well, uh, and so as long as I was walking, and I'm a fast walker too, so like maybe that's part of it. Um, but when I, while I'm walking, I'm able to disconnect and turn off the thoughts. Because I tell you what, like I could take a Sabbath, and Mm. I would take Sabbath, and I didn't go anywhere. I'm constantly pulling out my phone and jotting down ideas in Evernote for the church. (laughs) And so for me, getting out of nature and walking fast where I couldn't process and think through church things, for me, that was a meaningful experience of disconnecting uh, from church work. Um, and I tell you, what, I almost felt like God met me in those moments, like when I honored God with this day off of disconnecting and trusting him, yeah I feel like I came back and and God multiplied my efforts um, so good you know so whether it's just disconnecting and and just psychologically that's happened, I like to think that God was actually meeting me, uh, multiplying my efforts and doing something supernatural through uh, my attempt to to honor him through my actions um, and and yeah, so. Sabbath was a, was a crucial part for me. And, and I, I think I realized at one point that maybe I had overdone it um, because, you know, somebody at our church, you know, there, there were some jokes going around the church of, oh, you can't bother pastor on Friday. That kind of, Mm uh, because I communicated to our church that that was the day that I would disconnect and modeling that, um, and, you know, especially with our launch team in the early days, it was. You know, don't call me on Friday. Like, I'm disconnecting, and this is so that I can leave from a healthy place. Um, so that was, a, that was an early thing um, for me. The, the other thing that was early for our church that I, that I learned that I would say uh, to new church planners or church pl- planners who just planted churches is pay attention to the culture um, that you're creating within your church. Um, particularly your staff culture. Uh, Cause in those early days, it may be just a planter and a few people that are volunteers or maybe a planter yeah. and a personal staff. And sometimes you don't, if you don't pay attention to that culture, your culture will get away from you. Like it'll, it's going to create itself. If you don't, if you're not intentional about the culture that you're creating, culture will create itself within your church. Uh, and it's a lot easier to set culture than it is to, um, recreate culture to break up something that's already in existence that's unhealthy. Uh, and so, for me, it was you know if I if I could go back, I would have been a lot more intentional. Really, that staff culture, that you know that internal culture, um, I would have been a lot more intentional about thinking through what that what that would look like and how to design that and implement it.
0: Wes, as we close out, what are, um, cause again, you've touched on a couple really, I think important kind of aspects and key things that planners need to think about. One is just calling and uniqueness and kind of, you know, becoming yourself even, um, the other one is what I would call probably spiritual rhythms of, um, rest. I like to use the term kind of rhythms of ebb and flow, you know, of, 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 mission and retreating and prayer and worship. Like there's just, you got to have this healthy balance. Um, And then the third thing is kind of that culture setting of like creating that culture within the church leadership team. What are um, maybe especially on um, maybe what are one or two resources that would just kind of come to mind that you would recommend to people? Hmm. Putting you on the spot there, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so yeah. Hmm. Again, put- what did you read
0: about Sabbath that was really helpful for you, that helped you kind of really kind of was it something you just discovered in the scripture, or was there a book or an author or something you stumbled across on that you're like, and this is this is what I was missing?
1: yeah there's not a particular there's not a particular pastor as much as it was like listening so like i I even find that now in some of the um, I hate to use the term best church planners I won't say best church planners but planners that thrive in church planning yep um, they they come from a place of humility where they're willing to listen to others and I almost sound like I'm you know humble bragging because I'm just going you know church planners that thrive are humble. And, and you know, but I, I would like to say that I, you know, I, I don't know that I was naturally humble as much as I was humbled by the task of planning a church and knowing, feeling inadequate. So I, I would say that I just listened a lot. Um, hmm. And I don't know that I have a particular resource that I would point people to as much as I was, like, I was just eager to listen to the voices of other church planners, the people yeah. who had, who had gone before me. Um, if somebody said, Hey, this is, you know, where, you know, for me, things got out of balance or this is, you know, what was a pitfall for me? Like I was just listening to that in our day and age that we're living in now, there's just so many resources out there.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, Whether it's YouTube videos, I get obsessive with YouTube videos and just listening and learning um, experiences of others that you can just have, you know, you can just listen to a video that somebody's made.
0: One of the, um, I'll just give a quick reference. Gary Thomas has written an interesting book called Sacred Pathways that someone introduced me to a few years ago. And it looks at nine different ways that people connect with God. And you did touch on something that I think is really important. um, And there's actually um, science around this that we got to get out in nature. And here we are in this kind of post-COVID moment where people have been kind of in-house and. Uh, I know from from my own soul over the last just since i've been in ministry you know we've planted on an island um you know living in Kentucky, I just go on walks you know if i 'm at the beach uh, you know there's something in Jesus demonstrated this didn't he in the gospels I think oftentimes we focus on the miracle passages, but there are these rich little passages sprinkled all throughout the gospels in between the miracle stories where jesus would go spend the whole night um, in prayer or he would disappear in the early morning and go to a deserted place and the disciples would be looking for him and he would go and be with the father. And I I kind of imagine a lot of it is just him. Again, I uh, contemporary, you know, turning the phone off, just leaving ministry and just going for a walk and not doing anything, not even thinking about the church. And there's something restorative in that. In that book, Sacred Pathways, what's interesting is one of the pathways of uh, how basically the book looks at nine different ways that people connect with God. Some people like rituals, some people like kind of more charismatic. That's how they, you know, um, but there's the naturalist, I think is what he calls them. And it was really helpful for me a couple of years ago to discover that that actually is one of the ways that I connect with God at a really deep, renewing way where I just go for walks and um, you know, for no other reason, they're just going and unplugging and being restored. Um, As people maybe who, we'll close out with this, um, you know, project manager, also you all do a lot of assessment. Um, Maybe share your website, um, some maybe next steps for some people that maybe want to connect with you and the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, so Stadia is the organization, Stadia Church Planning uh Stadiachurchplanning.org is the website. Okay. Um yeah, we do um we do assessments, um, which assessment is like an intensive week of um of of just going through a process of discerning uh your calling. I, I find planners come out of that and they feel um they feel affirmed um they feel challenged um they have more clarity around their calling. And so it's just a, it's a extremely beneficial time uh, for church planners. I know some people walk into it with, they they view it almost like a hurdle that they have to get through the plan of church. And I say, don't, don't view it like that. I mean, it's, it's really this time where, you know, we bathe that entire process in prayer Uh, and it's just a time that God shows up and he confirms his calling and gives some, gives some clarity. Um, And Stadia does bookkeeping as well. Uh, we, we offer services like coaching, uh, so we we really want to surround the planner and, and care for them as they're in the process of planning a church. Help them feel like they're part of a family. Uh, church planning can be a lonely uh, experience, and so we want them to be a part of a part of a family. Amen. Um, Amen.
0: So yeah. Are you on social media? Is there any way people can connect with you, or primarily through stadium?
1: Uh, primarily through Stadia, yeah. So social media right now for me is I'm, I've kind of... <laughs> yep.
0: It's good for you.
1: <laughs> That's all you get to say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a good time to take a break from social media.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Well, Wesley, thanks so much for being with us. This has been Rich. Um, you, you know, you've shared wisdom, but I think most of all, you've really just shared some life experience. And um, I think that's the, the what you bring that's so rich to um, church planners that you're coaching and mentoring and working with. So thanks so much for
1: uh, being with us today, Wesley. Thank you for having me.